No, now it's snake clowns because you put that idea in my head. Sir. Time for push-ups. One, two, we're going to a thousand. I'm afraid that's not eight. possible, sir. It is possible. I'm already at 20. You're scheduled to go to Jim Gordon's three. retirement party. What? No, I don't want to do that. You're going to have a great time. No, 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 you no. You might meet some new people. No, 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 no. You even make some new friends. No, 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 no. Welcome to Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Tessianos, and today is a fantastic day for comics. If this podcast is new to you, lots of comic adventures will ensue. If you've been here before, thank you for coming back for more. Whether you're a comic book rookie or a comic vet, there's something for you here, I'll bet. Everyone is welcome here at OCD, and I thank you for joining me. Now for the OCD news. First up, I want to give a huge thank you to everyone I have met in this amazing podcasting and comic book community over the past year. OCD is nearing its one-year anniversary in September, and I cannot thank everyone enough for the love and support they've given to me and to this podcast. It means the world to me, you guys. You don't, you don't even know. Um, to anyone that hasn't yet, you are always welcome to cruise on over to social media. OCD is on every platform. I encourage you to please stop by and say hello. I love meeting new people and hearing what their favorite comics are. It makes me so happy to meet you guys, if only, even only virtually. Second thing on the agenda, I want to announce that in next week's episode on Wednesday 9-2, I will be making a big announcement about a big project I've been working on alongside my podcasting and comic book fam. It is so freaking cool, and I'm beyond excited to share it with you, finally. So tune in next week for that announcement. All right, but next week's episode is not here. We are here on this week's episode, and we got to go one for you. Um, I am so happy this week's co-host is here today. I also cannot believe he took time away from watching DC Fandom to talk about comics with us. He hails all the way from Canada, and he has a PhD in DC Comics. He is Dr. DC himself. It's Reed. What's up, Reed? Howdy. How's it going? Good. You're like, hurry up, lady. Let's let's do this. I got <laughs> yeah, to I, watch. I, I, yeah, I started the stopwatch when we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go back. Well, they're replaying everything, too. Yes. I think, yeah, later. I mean, that's... That's the nice thing with it is that like there's not there's not a ton of pressure to watch it right when it happens. So I I'm quite happy to to take a break from like all of the stuff that's been happening so far today to talk about somehow not a DC comic. I know. I opened the first page and I was like, image. Hmm, this is shady. Uh, yeah, did he did he pick the right one? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you don't want to talk about DC. A DC comic, you know, you can always come here, so you're here. Yeah, that's right. This yeah. is my outlet now. Yeah. Yes, and I love we've we scheduled this like almost like I think almost two months ago or something like that. And I yeah. don't think if I had seen that it was fa- DC Fandom Day, dude, I would never have done this to you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't mind at all. Yeah, no, no, I'm happy to be here. I like being on this show. This is a ton of fun. Oh, uh, okay, good. Well, good. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I'm lucky then. Uh, I love having you here. You're, you are a professional DC guy. Uh, and oh God, I wish, I wish I made money on this. <laughs> one day, one day. Who's, who's manning your tweets right now? Is it Richard? No, that's me. That's you? So I've been tweeting you all day? <laughs> yeah, that's sure. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I, I think, I think Richard may have forgotten that it was today i think he's got other stuff going on so i've just been like watching stuff also trying to watch my kid tweeting putting it on the background trying to keep the volume where i can hear it but she can still hear my little pony on the yeah. tv like it's been a real like balancing act that's amazing so you're superman today that's i'm awesome. trying yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's jump into this comic. I don't want to keep you for long because it's only four issues. So, hey, that's good. Um, yeah. This yeah. is actually an awesome comic. How'd you come upon this one? This, we're reading Southern Bastards today, volume one. Yeah. So several years ago now, maybe f- five or six years ago, right when this series was about to come out, mm-hmm. I, w- I just started a writing job for a website called Broken Frontier. That was it's uh, like comics news and reviews and stuff like that, but it's almost all like indie or creator own stuff. So it oh, was cool. like 
it was sort of new territory for me who only kind of read superhero stuff. And then all of a sudden, I kind of booked this gig where it was like, oh, you can't read any of that. Oh, shit. <laughs> or, yeah. it, or it's like you're going to read stuff you've never heard of. So the first two things that they made me review, uh, one was issue one of Ray, like a Valiant comic, okay. uh, the the Matt Kind, Clayton Crane uh, uh, Ray. And then the other was issue one of Southern Bastards. Oh. And that first issue, like, I, I was in the mindset of like, well, I have to write a v- review. I need to be really thinking about the art of this. And it kind of, it was sort of perfect because then I was reading it and I was like, oh my God, why have I never thought of comics as like a fine place to tell a story that doesn't involve like an alien or like, <laughs> like, like it, it wasn't that they all necessarily had to be superheroes, but just the idea that like, this is just like small town drama. Like, it's just like a story and I was like of course you could do that in a comic but it was this like eyes wide kind of revelation for me and yeah. I really fell in love with it yeah there are no superpowers no extraterrestrials that are going to save the day it's just no. the hometown hero kind of thing yeah I mean there there is I think because it's a comic there's a sort of like poetry to it because there's all these sort of visual callbacks and cues and things like that like it's still slightly heightened from real life but it is essentially just like a it's just like a story about a guy going back to his hometown <laughs> like yeah. that's basically it yeah and it's uh it takes place in alabama i'm from nashville i say nashville but it's a little bitty town north of nashville called white house tennessee white house uh, white house tennessee and and that it is i spent a month there um last year moving my grandmother there and uh there is there only white people live there let's just say that (laughs) right Um, yeah yeah, yes it is definitely white house sweet you know sweet southern people and we come from there and we're we're all democrats we're you know the blue dot in a red state kind of thing but um i've definitely seen or i've encountered not firsthand because i'm a girl and i say that because in the south i feel like it's really just guys against guys (laughs) like if there's any drama you know, right? So is that I, is it is it that kind of like old school like chivalry? Like we're not going to involve the the women in this or whatever yeah, kind of thing. Which yeah. I'm glad. I'm like I don't want to be part of your drama. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I got out of there when I was 12, man. So bye. But uh, I've definitely run into those towns on accident, like just driving around trying to get to another town, and you're like, oof, there's some stuff going on here. You know, just. It, and I don't want to speak bad about anybody or anything because, I mean, it's, you know, anybody in that town, like, my heart goes out to them. That's really hard to grow up in a, in a rough place, you know, anywhere well, yeah, in the you world. Don't, yeah, you don't, you don't get to choose where you're born or where you grow up. So. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, the kid in this, I was like, that poor kid, he'll, he'll never know any different. He may never leave that town or know to leave that town. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, the, yeah, the town in this book is Craw County, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this very small town that... I mean, for me reading in Canada, it reinforces like things that I consider to be maybe like outrageous stereotypes about the South. Okay. <laughs> the yeah, States. what do you know about the South? Way up there. I mean, I my I mean my American history is only very broad, but it's like the the idea of like there's things that are givens in the states like caring about I mean caring about football in general, but caring about like high school or college football. Yeah. Like having any sort of pride in your like high school, like things like homecoming, stuff like that. Like yeah. technically we have them up here and like, but like we don't care. Like anytime anyone up here is like trying to get the school spirit thing going, you'd be like, we like, it does is a building. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's such a thing that I have in my head, especially for the, the South. And maybe it's just from watching things like Friday Night Lights and stuff like that. But yes. it's like, man, the town cares about football. They care about these 16-year-old linebackers. <laughs> it's a huge deal. Like, even in White House, um, and I'll keep bringing it up only because, like, I know firsthand, um, but, like, Football is a huge deal. My cousins were the football stars during their high school years, and they were always right. on the. I might, I might, my southern accent may pop up here, so I apologize. Um, it just, it just kind of creeps in, and I can't help it. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> it's not that extreme. That's my like Dolly Parton <laughs> southern sure, girl. Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, like there, my cousins' names were always on like the um, like the marquees outside the high school, like 
Max and Mike Barrett, they're the, you know, the football stars. But that's the thing. You're known forever as that football star. Like my uncle right. was a football star of the town. And then he was a football star till he died. Like forever right. and ever. You right. live in that time capsule. Like those four years of high school are the best years of your life in those small towns. And I think that's maybe why, like, as, like, a genre of, like, movies, those things like the coming-of-age movies or even, like, stuff about, you know, like, you know, like a like a Pretty in Pink or whatever, like, all of those sure. movies about the high school experience, like, they obviously endure just because everyone can relate to a high school experience, but I think you don't see that genre of movie as prevalent in other countries. Like, you, there's not a huge yeah. coming-of-age genre in Britain, for example. Because mm-hmm. I just think that relationship's different. Like, the best years of your life are not high school. Basically yeah. anywhere else. <laughs> like, <laughs> Get out. <laughs> yeah. So, but, so it's funny to pick up this book, which is all about this guy, Earl Tubb, having to go back to his town that he left. And mm-hmm. everyone there has lived there the whole time. Like, no one has left. The, on that sign into the town, they're talking about the running Rebs. But it's not like yeah. a pro football team. It's the high school like and the setup of the book is that the town is essentially like run in the sort of organized crime way by the coach of the high school football team <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is so so insane like it, it's um it almost i sort of thought that my conception of that stuff was too much like a cartoon okay. like i'm clearly got a stereotype that i have hyperbolized and then to read this and especially because the creators are both from the south and jason aaron the writer is like from alabama i was like uh-huh. oh maybe this is like more true than i thought it was yeah it, like okay so let's dive into the details here because you just brought up the the writer and i definitely want to talk about his story to us or his both of their letters to us in the beginning yeah um, yeah so this is uh, 2014 Image Comics. Uh, it's written by Jason Aaron and illustrated by Jason Latour. So it's a Jason and Jason production here. Um, and so how do you know Jason Aaron? Do you know him at all? You just you know this book first before him. I knew that this this was my exposure to both of them. Um, okay. I mean Jason Aaron, his mainstream work is mostly on Thor. It's mostly like Marvel stuff. Um, I think maybe also true for Jason Latour, for the stuff that they've done that is not uh, like creator owned or kind of indie stuff. I think they mostly do Marvel uh, work. So this was really my exposure to both of them. Um, The thing that's neat is like at at the start of the series, they put these letters out that talk about like their hometowns and their experience kind of grappling with like what the South is seen as versus what it is and also who they are versus where they came from. And I mean, that's all through the story too, but I think they, they put those letters in because the, I think they didn't, even though they're delving into some really like horrible stuff and some kind of pathetic stuff, yeah, it's, they also want, it to be a little bit of a tribute like there are things that are kind of romantic about the idea of like you grow up in a town and you care about your high school team right there's on its own that's not necessarily a bad thing it's kind of cute actually but then it's perverted it becomes this thing where like that's your identity and then it's like what do you do to protect that what do you do to like what if your whole identity for like a 65 year life is about this football team and you know in the case of the coach, like you weren't good enough to get on the football team. And now it's like me, it's kind of corrupted you. So now you yeah. don't even care about like, it's just, it's just such a, I don't know. There's something kind of neat about taking this thing that should be cute and folksy and making it like really horrific. Yeah. And it's funny that like people like, like Earl here, he wants to get the F out of that town. He just wants to book it and run. And he's not the first story that I've heard from like a Southern town where they're like, I need to get out of that town. Fuck that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, I don't even think it has to be from the South. I think a lot of people feel that way. Like just small towns. Yeah. I am from what is not really a small town it's like 130,000 people but if you grow up like anywhere in within a couple of hours of Toronto it doesn't matter how big your city is there's nothing there for you because everything's in Toronto it's such oh. like a weird dynamic so my town was a place with a ton of people but nothing to do so the people that are I mean this is a broad generalization but a sure. lot of people that are still there are there because they either chose or couldn't leave 
there were you know like a lot of people kind of like fell off the face of the earth but like most people that i went to school with got out went somewhere else even if it was to toronto or you know uh, moved across country like i did or stuff like that right like uh every i think a lot of people tried to get out just because it was kind of boring it was a nice quiet place to grow up as a kid but as a young adult there's just nothing for you and that's sort of how I feel a little bit reading this book even it's like I couldn't imagine being like 21 in this town you see the people that are like in their early 20s and like the only thing for them is to work for coach boss and basically help with this football team slash criminal empire yeah yeah I was gonna say he's got it's like this mob mentality there he very much runs the, the whole town yeah yeah yeah. So let's dive in. Sure. Uh, all right. So at the top, we're greeted by, like you said, all these Bible Belt signs and this dog mm-hmm. like shitting right in front of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the dog shitting comes up every issue. And it's yeah. like, that's my favorite little visual thing. So every issue basically opens with the dog taking a shit. <laughs> He's like our yes. He's like our storyteller. Like I just want to remind you that I shit anywhere I want because this town is shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so we've got Earl here, and I love the instead of the U-Haul, we got Y'all Hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the sort of thing where it's like a little bit heightened. Like it's not a hundred percent real. Like there are, it's still a little bit cheeky, but like yeah. yeah. I mean, if someone hasn't started a company called Y'all Hall in the South, it really should. You really should. It would be a hit. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Y'all Hall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is, I wrote down Crow County, but I think it's Craw County, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, Craw County, Alabama. Craw County, Alabama. And then we start seeing, so we got the Bible, we got football signs. And we started seeing that Boss owns like the diner and everything else. In that yeah, everything's called Boss. There's like Boss Barbecue and Boss something else. There's a couple of businesses and Earl's like, who the hell is this Boss guy? Because this yeah, is Earl's first time back in town in like 40 years or something like that. Yeah. He hasn't been back since his dad died. He, uh... And uh, he the only reason he's in town is because his uncle, who was still there, is being moved into a nursing home. So he's just there to pack up the house and get out. Like, he doesn't even want to do that. Like, he's on the phone to someone saying, like, it should be like three days in and out. I never have to come back here again. Just got to get uncle like all set up. Yeah. And and the person on the phone, we never, ever meet throughout this whole thing. But he kind of I like how they use that phone call that he keeps he keeps having throughout. It's kind of like this internal dialogue. It gives us some more like plot as to what he's thinking and stuff. But we don't know who the other person on the other other side is at all. Yeah, because this book doesn't really use like narration boxes. You don't get real inner monologue stuff. It's basically all spoken out loud. Sometimes it's spoken like quietly under your breath or something yeah. like that. But like it's not like a Batman thing where like he's thinking one thing <laughs> and he's saying something else out loud. Like basically yeah. everything spoken in this book is actually spoken. Yeah. Um, I, I like which how you makes it Batman almost yeah, yeah, well, you know, like I only have so I, many I points it. of reference. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so he's back to, to do that and he uh he rolls into town and he goes to this boss barbecue place. And he tries to just have like a quiet lunch by himself and he's recognized because he's from there and yeah. everyone else is still there. Everyone he went to high school with and he's recognized as a football star from the day, just like you were saying. They were like, you're yeah. Earl Tubb. We remember your daddy. He was the sheriff. And you're Earl. You were like four times state champ or whatever they say to him, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I know. He was like, what's his name? Dusty, who becomes a big part of this story. And he's like, yeah. yo, you're the dude. And he's like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Like, don't talk to me. He does not want to be seen. He literally just wants to go in, get some ribs, and then just go back to packing up the house. Like, he doesn't He doesn't want his association with the town to be deeper than it has to be. Like, having someone like Dusty come up to him and reminisce like that is like... He's not trying to be a dick, but he's like, please go away. Because, like, I, I've cut this part of me out. I don't yes. want it to become a thing where I have to relive it or I have to experience it again. Like, I don't want it. Yeah, he's already closed that door. He doesn't want to open yeah. it again. Um, and through this and through, like, him packing up the house and going to the diner, we, we learn about this stick, this, like, infamous giant bat wooden stick. Do you want to explain the story behind this stick? 
Yeah, so back in the day, Earl's dad was the sheriff. And at one point, he there was an attack on their home, like a home invasion, basically. And his dad, the sheriff, like beat all of these people with this stick. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like an actual baseball bat. It was just like a stick. And it became he became this sort of like walking tall kind of like legend in town. It's like the sheriff with the stick. So like people in town are like, oh, like bet your bet you found your daddy's stick or whatever and he's like no yeah. it's buried with my dad like they buried the tr- like the stick with his dad and now there's a tree growing out of the grave so like what? the stick like, what? <laughs> yeah. so like there's all this kind of stuff but the, the stick kind of like the football thing has become this town legend this thing that they every, everyone sort of knows it's just like part of the cultural history of this little backwoods place now is like oh yeah like Sheriff Tubbs' big fucking stick. <laughs> yeah, his stick grew into a tree behind his grave, and he—I love how even he's like, "How did that happen?" And we just kind of leave that alone. Like that's probably the most <laughs> yeah. supernatural thing. Well, no, not the most supernatural thing, but the start of like the the tree is very much a character in this there's, in this story. There's like this slight element of like almost like a Shakespearean kind of like fate sort of thing happening in this yeah. book, where like. The things that are happening are real. You know, he's just driving a truck or he's eating some ribs or he's packing a house or he's learning about this organized crime thing in town. Mm-hmm. But then behind it, there's this thing about like the legend of his father, his lineage. There's almost like a Hamlet kind of thing of trying to run away from who he's supposed to be. Right. Uh, and eventually fate kind of catches up with him and says like, no, can't do. <laughs> like, yeah. you're like you've you you're stuck now. Yeah, he's he's he gets him, but he doesn't on, he does it for the sake. Like he, this guy has a really big heart. He has gone out into the world and he's seen there's more to life than this small town. And these yeah. people have never left. And this is when we meet Esau, who's peeing in the street. Is like this big bully. He's got this Confederate flag tattoo on his bicep. Yeah. He's like, he's like cussing out everybody. He's like he's the preacher's son. He's like a goon yeah. to boss, coach boss. He's right? got a he's got the craziest mullet. Yes, he does. <laughs> and there's some mullets in here, but he's got the There best sure one. are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we get so this dusty guy, he kind of follows us throughout here too because he his he is basically killed by Esau and his guys. He's beat to smithereens by them for really no reason. Like Dusty just owes yeah. Coach Boss money and he's trying to make make it right, right. Yeah, when he when he when he meets Earl in the in the barbecue joint He's trying to find Coach Boss. That's why Dusty's even in there. And he's like, just right. tell him, like, I've got to meet him. i got to talk to him. And they're like, yeah, Coach Boss isn't here, whatever. And, and when he's talking with Earl, at one point he says, like, you leave Croc County. Like, get yeah. out of here. And then eventually someone's like, oh, the coach will see you. But we know the coach isn't there. It's Esau. And they're basically, like, they're going to kill Dusty. And then Earl intervenes with, a, like, a deep frying basket and just yeah. smacks Esau across the face with it. And uh, and basically, like, beats the crap out of him and saves Dusty. And Dusty is not grateful. He's like, do you have any idea what you just did? You're such an idiot. You have no idea what's happening. He's like, who's this boss guy? He's like, you don't even know who boss is. You (laughs) you idiot. And and then eventually, yeah, like, Esau and the guys catch up with Dusty. And they beat the crap out of him. They hit him with their car. They basically just, like, leave him for dead in the woods Mm -hmm. until he, like, crawls out in the middle of a football game bloody in that and he's and he's still like gotta talk to the coach and earl is at that football game he was like it was like the one he's there to kind of to see who this coach boss was and then dusty comes out and he's dead and it starts this thing where earl is like this isn't my business this isn't my business but he's got too much of his dad in him like the sheriff and that and he's like but it is my business what happened to my town like it's that kind of like he doesn't want it to be his problem, but he knows no one else is doing anything about it. The sheriff is corrupt, mm-hmm. like not necessarily evil, but definitely under the boot of the boss. Coach boss, yeah. So Earl kind of gets into this space where he's like, I got to do something yes. myself now and I don't want to. And he keeps trying to retreat back to every time he has a confrontation with Esau or the first time he meets Coach Boss and he says, like, I think you know what happened to Dusty and he, that he has one with the sheriff, like, oh, fine, you're not going to do anything. Goes back to the house and he meets this kid, Tad, uh, Tad <laughs> um, who uh, is like, 
oh, I used to come over here to watch TV because my mom says yeah. the devil lives in a TV. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this kid is just there and Earl's trying to tell him to go away. But the kid's like asking all these questions and stuff like that. And uh, he's climbing in the tree that's grown out of the dad's grave. But eventually Earl tries to cut the tree down and he can't do it. Yeah. And then when the, like, uh, just trying to make sure I don't get this stuff out of order. I think what happens is there's one night where Earl has basically decided he's going to give up. He's going to leave. He's sort of screaming at his dad. Like, we've gotten some flashbacks of, flashbacks of like his dad kind of being dismissive about Earl going off to Vietnam Vietnam, and all this kind of stuff. And, Mm He's sort of screaming at the heavens and at his dad, and then lightning strikes the tree, splits yeah. the tree open, and the stick is there, like mm-hmm. in the it tree. Just co- yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the first supernatural moment we get, and we're like, all right. It was like his dad kind of talking to him. He's like, here, take this. You know what to do. Go make yeah. things, or try to go make things right. And Earl so doesn't want to do it. He even says, like, is that supposed to be some kind of goddamn sign? Yeah. (laughs) But he he picks up the stick, and he basically, he starts just camping out in town, and he's like, I'm going to come down here every day, and I'm going to beat the shit out of Esau until someone starts answering my questions. Yes. And I was like, all right, dude, go, get it. But, like, here's the thing. If he never threw the oil onto Esau and his buddies, he like that solidified him. He could not leave town after that point. He was like, all right, I'm invested you know, yeah. like, I, I can't go. I, this has to be made right. There's such a great moment where he he has the stick finally and he comes back into town. And Esau and the guys think they've gotten away with this dusty thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he comes in and the the waitress, Shauna, says like, oh, hey, Earl, you back for some ribs? And it cuts to him holding the stick. And he's like, yeah. going to need a little more than ribs. Yeah. And he just <laughs> beats the crap out of Esau. And yeah, he basically says like, this barbecue joint is like where I sit now. If any of you are tired of how this town is being run, you come see me. But right. then you see like days go by and it's only Earl in there. Mm-hmm. Like this town's not budging. Like his like little act of heroism quote unquote is not stirring feelings in town if anything the town kind of hates him yeah they don't they don't care nobody cares like even when we meet coach boss later on he's like i don't care about anything but football like if it isn't isn't football i don't care kill it i I don't care yeah Yeah. i mean because so much of his yeah so much of coach boss's thing is like listen I'm trying to make a game plan for the next game. We got to get to state. You guys, the shit you pulled with Dusty with the money and not fully killing him, that's a distraction. You're distracting my team. Mm -hmm. Finish the job, kill him, (laughs) and get this Earl guy off my case so I can go back to football. Football. Like, it's such a weird, like, it's not like he's running like a drug empire or something like that. It's like he just wants. To be in charge and all he wants to do when in charge is football. Yeah, he runs football, so he's basically the mayor of the town. Like that, like we said, like they worship yeah. it there. It's football and God. Like that's Yeah, exactly. That's their two things. And then that night something really messed up happens. Um the guys they head back to the house of the uncle's house thinking that Earl's gonna be there, but he's not there. Yeah. He's camping in the woods like we met him before, and unfortunately Tad is there watching TV and Tad is, you know, kind of smart mouthing. But he should. He's defending himself. I'm like, go, kid, go. Like, he was so brave. And then they just kind of pummel him to pieces. The kid. Yeah. Yeah, they beat the crap out of the kid. Because basically they had seen, the kid had shown up to the barbecue place at one point and sat Mm -hmm. down with Earl. And Earl was like, you shouldn't be here. Like, you shouldn't be seen with me. And the kid was like, I can tell you everything you want to know about Coach Boss or whatever. And Earl's like, please, kid, like, get out of here. This is a bad idea. And he, and the kid is seen with him. So then when they see the kid at Earl's uncle's place, they're like, yeah, I mean, we're not here for the kid, but this will send a message. Right. Uh, so they beat the shit out of him. When you finally catch up with him in the hospital, the doctors are like, he's got a ton of broken bones. He might not walk again. You know, like, he hasn't regained consciousness yet. Like, they, they don't kind of hurt this kid they like yeah. fully mess him up which is they, pretty fucked up yeah they fully intended to well they 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 were probably one one swing away from killing the kid it's pretty bad so if we didn't think they were bad before we know they definitely are now i mean they beat up a kid um yeah. and then 
Earl walks back into town probably either that moment or the next day and there's this crowd of people there and he's got the stick with him again and he's like, all right, where's this coach boss guy? And the police, they try to stop him and he's like, did you tell them that they can't do this either? You know, like, did you give them the same right act that you're giving me right now? No? Okay, well, should we question what your role here is as a police officer? You're not very much of a policeman here. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that, that sheriff is like, He's like, just please, like, like, we'll we can sweep this under the rug if you leave, like, just fucking yeah. drop it, man. Uh, and Earl's like, I will not drop it. And then uh, the guys kind of start beating up Earl because there's more of them than him. He's been badass mm-hmm. up to this point, but he definitely gets his ass kicked a little bit. Yeah. Um, before it sort of turns around. Um, but yeah, yeah. Th- I mean, that sheriff. I think Earl says he basically calls him like. He basically says he's got, like, no spine, essentially. Right. Because he's right. not doing his job. He, I think Earl says he's doing the sheriff's job or something like that. Yeah. Um, um, also, the art. This is when, I mean, I think the art was fantastic up until this point. Like, absolutely. But then we've got these, like, epic fighting panels where he starts yeah. beating um, Esau or trying to beat up Esau. And it's not really working. Um, but it's, like, probably, I don't know, like, 16 panels on one splash page. And it's just, like... Flash forward, flash backward. Like, they're in two different points. And so you're watching two storylines happen very quickly, like two different fights. Yeah. But I think the other one was, like, um, how he, like, his dad was honored with the stick, how the stick happened with his dad and how it's happening now with the stick. So the visual thing, the visual thing they do in this is that for the most part, the book is in pretty muted colors. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not black and white, but it's very, like, not vibrant. But then you'll get these panels that are, like, red washed. And that's the past. So sometimes Mm -hmm. we see the sheriff. Sometimes it's about how Earl went off to Vietnam to get away from his dad, get out from under his shadow. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's about that night with the stick, how, like, that legend happened. So any of the red washed panels become this sort of visions of the past. But it's I think it's like it's pretty effective because it also is it becomes that Tarantino like seeing red thing. Like, yeah, when Earl is in these situations of emotional distress or a physical fight, that's when he's thinking the most about his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when his dad's like haunting him, basically, which is, again, kind of like that fate thing, right? That he ran away for as long as he could, but like this was always the person he was going to be. Yeah. Um, you, you know, can't turn your back on bad things happening and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, in this fight, we get some shots of the sheriff, some shots of like where the stick came from, some shots of Earl getting his ass kicked. I'm pretty sure the shitting dog saves the day yeah. and attacks Esau. The, the, yeah. the dog that takes a shit uh, shows up and attacks Esau because uh, he's on Earl's side, uh-huh. which is very fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's neat because um, it's not drawn the way like a lot of action stuff is drawn. You don't necessarily see the trajectory from move to move to move like it's not like here was a punch and then we watch where that arm goes later like Mm -hmm. you do in you know a a superhero comic or something like that we're just getting like little snapshots of a fight we see someone get hit in the face we see Mm -hmm. someone kick a leg we see someone get hit with a stick but they're not necessarily sequential they're not necessarily immediately after each other. We might be missing moves in between there. So right. it's kind of neat. You're just getting these little flashes of what's happening. Yeah. It but moves that fight, if... yeah, that fight ends and Earl goes inside. And uh, today, Coach Boss is there to see him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So finally. we finally get an actual proper private sort of showdown between Earl and Coach Boss. Yeah. And the coach just keeps. He just keeps saying, like, oh, you shouldn't have stuck your nose in. We're just trying to win football games, blah, blah, blah. And this is where Earl kind of, kind of, this is the thing he was worried about, mm-hmm. was becoming the person that he was or what the town makes you. Because mm-hmm. this is where Earl says, oh, no, I do remember you. And he's he embraces his memory and his time in the town. And he goes, you were that little piece of shit that could never make the football team. Man, everyone bullied you so much. I was the quarterback. I could have stopped it. They would have listened to me, but I just didn't give a shit about you. <laughs> and he's Yeah. So Earl kind of 
I mean, even though he's been fighting for the right thing, like he almost in that moment a little bit becomes the thing that he hates. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like the town kind of gets to him. Um, And it starts this real like knockdown drag out fight with the coach. Uh, who clearly has a bee in his bonnet about, like, he has this jilted thing about, like, never being one of the high school football stars. Right, like, right. Like, that best time of your life thing, he didn't have it. So yeah. he's now, it's corrupted him, and now he's trying to take it later in life as this coach. Yeah. Um, so they fight, like, out into the street, like, back out of the bar, and this rough-and-tumble fight, and the coaches like, really like given Earl the gears and Earl goes to reach for the stick and the coach gets it and <laughs> coach kills Earl. <laughs> he stabs but, him in the face with the broken stick. Is Earl dead? Earl is dead. Oh shit. I didn't, I didn't even, I was like, Oh, maybe he'll recover, but no, he's done. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the craziest thing, but this is the first of four volumes of this book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's this, insane fight really bloody really mm-hmm. um like brutal uh the dog is barking like they're clawing eyes and stuff mm-hmm. and then coach boss says oh yeah this is what he says he says you said you weren't leaving till you got some answers ain't that right well open your eyes tub look at me look at me i'm your fucking answer and <sighs> then he uh and he kills earl he stabs him like mm-hmm. right in the face with the stick and then just walks away the sheriff just watches him walk away the yeah. dog just starts like sniffing at earl's body and mm-hmm. earl's phone rings finally for yeah. the first time he's getting a call back from the person that the whole time he's been confiding in he's like i should have kept my nose out of it i shouldn't have done this like i'll be okay but i might be here a couple extra days or who knows blah 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 please call me back please call me back and he's been doing that the whole time and it's only when he's dead that he gets a call back uh, yeah, I saw that at the end and I was like, ooh. Okay, so knowing that Earl is officially dead, you've read past the first volume, right? Yeah, I've, re- I've read the, the all four volumes, yeah. Okay, so this is not based on Earl's story, it's the town story. Well, that's kind of the craziest part, right? Because okay. the setup of the book is you follow Earl. This was another yeah. thing where, like, when as I kept reading, like, as the issues were coming out, I was like, I've never seen a story do this. Yeah. Like, I mean, technically, the book's not called Earl, right? Like, anything can happen. But you're you're watching this thing. You're like, great, Earl's the hero. He's got the stick. His daddy yeah. was the sheriff. I'm yeah. going to follow Earl as he cleans up this town. And then the fourth issue, Earl's just fucking dead. And you're like, oh, the town's not getting cleaned up? <laughs> like, yeah, nothing happened in the it's, town? It's still the same? Yeah. Yeah, it's such like a, it's such like a wild turn that i again wasn't used to which it might be more common than i thought it was in indie comics creator owned things where the story can go wherever you want right but it's like the difference between watching like uh like seasons of like 23 episode tv shows Mm -hmm. or watching like a mini series where like oh this character just died in the first episode i guess we're gonna follow someone else now yeah yeah so it's pretty wild. I'll say, and it's not a spoiler or anything, but the next volume follows Coach. That's where oh. you like you get you get like Coach's whole history. It's about Coach dealing with the aftermath of having very publicly killed Earl. Like it's not, it's not like we think he did it. Like yeah. the whole town watched it happen. It was in front. Yeah, it was in front of everybody. And so, do they wrap up what happens in this town in volume four, or do you think there's a volume five? No, I think they meant it to keep going, and then it just hasn't. It just hasn't. Oh, um, so that's a cliffhanger, too? I'm pretty sure in Volume 4, the person that Earl was calling, who, again, not strictly speaking a spoiler, but it was his daughter who okay. was away in the army. You see her in the epilogue of, of this volume, basically mm-hmm. just answering a voicemail and saying, like, can't wait to see you soon, <laughs> which is really oh sad. Oh, my gosh, that is um, so sad. Volume 4, she's in the town. Okay. Oh, um, Ooh, yeah. okay. I hope she finds out, like, who killed her father. Because I didn't realize that Earl died. I wanted Earl to come back and issue, um, excuse me, volume two and help clean up this town and make it awesome and realize he wants to live there forever, da-da-da, white picket fence, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, that's what I wanted it to be. Right. But it wasn't at all. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, this is definitely dark for I sure. I mean, they're, but they're, it's, it's not 100% cynical. Like, Earl's presence has an impact. It didn't feel like it at the time because no one came to see him in the barbecue thing. He just sort of dies like like it's sort of this ignominious death like in the street. Right. But like, yeah, 
there are ramifications for the sheriff. The sheriff mm-hmm. sort of ends up, he has a crisis of conscience. The coach has to deal with his own kind of history. His daughter shows up. There's like things happen in the town around this big monumental event of coach killing Earl. Because up until that point, the town could kind of ignore it. Be like, hey, we're winning games and yeah. no one can prove anything. Right. Uh, but now it's like the town has seen what its success or what its glory is built on and that Mm -hmm. it starts having an effect so like okay good technically earl like he he doesn't have no impact but i mean he probably would have preferred to survive it (laughs) did okay so did i actually have a question though did the dad because i didn't 100 percent understand did the dad die of that stick beating because his dad also beat up some people um with that stick that's why it's so infamous no, I don't think that's how his. I can't remember actually, but I'm pretty sure his dad didn't die that way. Okay, but the stick like, was just like so symbolic <laughs> of like his brand of justice and that like okay. idea of like this town is just. So the idea of Earl being killed with this thing is like that's the ultimate indictment of how corrupt the town has become. Okay. Is that everything that they hold dear, every symbol of like victory or justice, like their football coach with this legendary stick kills an innocent man in the street. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty like brutal kind of stark image. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's not how Sheriff Tubb dies, though. Okay. I wasn't sure. I was like, whoa, they both died at the hand of the stick. Maybe nobody should use the stick anymore. <laughs> no more stick. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be something. <laughs> yeah, I I'll mean, I, I love this book. And I mean, yeah. rereading this has like sort of, I, I'm probably going to read the rest of them again just because mm-hmm. it's sort of reignited my what i liked about it sure but like that volume two i think is maybe the strongest that it gets though the one that comes after this one where it's all about the coach that's probably the best collection of this whole series yeah i would be interested in reading volume two like it's it leaves you at a point where you're like but what happens to this stupid town is it fulfilling for us as a as a reader or is it <laughs> yeah. just a lesson never go to go into towns that Hail football. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. having read, like, what what were things that stood out to, to you? Like, I mean, I know you said you've you've got some experience with small towns and stuff like that in, in the South. But yeah. were there things either, like, story-wise or art-wise where you were like, yeah, I I know that? Or were there things where you were like, oh, that that's taking some liberties? <laughs> no, I think it was 100% true. I So in the town that I grew up when they all knew me, um, and they still do. I had to get rid of my Facebook because too many people knew me still. Um, <laughs> no, true story. Uh, so actually, I've but I have gone into some towns and I've like I've taken my husband back. It's not a terrible place to be. I'm sorry to make it sound that way. I have lovely family, amazing people. Like I said, we're blue in a red state. Nashville, East Nashville is incredible. But yeah. there are definitely these little tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny towns because. And let me just back up a little bit. I'm in love with Gilmore Girls. And so I love that like small right. town feel kind of story. And yeah, I always yeah. told my husband, I was like, I want to live in a small town. Well, we were kind of shopping around in small towns in Tennessee because we were just kind of, you know, romanticizing that vibe. And we went into a, a, a town and it was adorable. It had these antique shops. It had, you know, all this garden and nature and stuff. And then we walked into the town diner and I'm like tattooed. I've got probably, I think, I don't think I, I think I had color in my hair. I had like lipstick like bright red lipstick on and i felt not totally out of place but like they definitely looked at us like y'all are not from here right yeah and you can feel everybody's eyes on you and it's so uncomfortable so i understood where earl was i mean even though he came from that town it is real when people look at you and they're like oh no you're not from here like right i don't know if i want you to stay you know (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny, even like where I grew up, which is basically just like a bedroom community suburb, most mm-hmm. people were not from that town. Mm-hmm. And but there were the odd there was the odd friend I had in high school whose parents went to that high school. Or like okay. a couple of teachers at the high school who had gone to that high school. And I mean, they had they led great lives. Like they were happy people, but there was something about it. I don't know. I just it always feels sad to me. It's like, but you're here. Right. Like it was like it was something about that town where like to me it was like if you didn't leave something went wrong which is probably not the like the best philosophy and there's probably i don't feel that way about where i live now 
Right. Like, do you live in a small I, town? I do. Yeah. Okay. I, I live. I live in a very small town. It's about thirty thousand people. And we're uh, like, in, in, and we're in the Yukon. <laughs> yeah, you're way up there. <laughs> like, I, so I don't feel that way now. But like, certainly growing up, I would look around and be like, "Man, that's that's kind of sad." Like, I'd, even though it wasn't like they very successful people had great life, but for some reason that was in my head. So then, like reading this, and Earl coming back, and then like, yeah, having Dusty like recognize him, I was just like put myself in Earl's position, which is just sure. like like don't do this dusty like this is embarrassing for everyone like we get it yeah. we went to high school together it doesn't matter <laughs> like, yeah yes exactly and what's funny is that like all that drama happens in one town they don't leave yeah. their bubble so if he if earl just let it be he could have lived and all that drama that happened in that town because he cared about that town and he had a, a little heartstring attached to that town that's yeah. probably why he stopped and tried to you know help it but if he was just a stranger there he probably would have just walked out cuz they don't want drama coming into the town you know like anything they just keep it there so it would have just stayed in their little bubble dusty would have died and they would have just kept going and it wouldn't have hurt anybody but everybody yeah. in Crock county <laughs> and it's that thing too like because it's also about this like father and son thing right he's clearly right. estranged from his father i mean i mean his father has been dead for 40 years but like he clearly like he says he hasn't been back since the funeral we see that he went to vietnam to get away from his dad like yeah like which is no picnic right, <laughs> right. Know, like, yes no exactly yeah there's all this kind of stuff and but they, when he's confronted with it he's still like like but god damn it i don't want to admit it to myself but i am like you and also you were right <laughs> like yeah yeah it's this yeah. um it's the small town thing about caring about this place where he's from even though he shouldn't mm -hmm. and it's also this thing where like he spent his whole life hating his dad or hating the shadow that his dad cast over him and he just ends up having to live up to it anyway like yeah. i don't know i think that's the bit that for me it's, it's my theater degree talking but that's where oh. like i see this that's that's where i see the shakespeare right like that's where it yeah. feels like like hamlet or something like you you don't get to pick who you are this is fate right you can run right. away from it for a while but eventually something will claw you back and you'll be stuck and yeah. then your fate is your fate from there. But like, yeah, I think yeah. Earl, if he had, he might've survived if he left, but I don't think he would have lived well. Right. He would know something was wrong, but mm -hmm. you know, he died ugly, but he did the right thing. So it was like, that's yeah. the balance kind of thing. And you said it's kind of a ripple effect from here. So like he did yeah. do good. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His, his death, cool. his death means something. Mm -hmm. But it's it's that kind of cruel fate thing where it's like like a person's life or death is just like a means to an end. It wasn't like Earl was the vessel of like redemption for this town. It, he was just he had to die so the town could have start having this weird kind of epiphany. Epiphany. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so OK now. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what happens to Crawl County. My goodness. Well, thank you for introducing me to this comic. My goodness. Yeah, yeah I like talking about this one. I mean, you know, I, I definitely between, you know, with my podcast, I obviously and just my general preferences. I get in a rut sometimes. I'm only reading mm -hmm. DC stuff and there's like lots of great DC stuff and it's not all superheroes. But sure. I really love this book. It's always stood out to me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one I come back to a lot when I need to read something that's just different or it's just something using like the comics medium for like a different purpose than what we're sure. used to. So I always come back to this one. So I'm always happy to talk about Southern Bastards. Love that um, book. Good. Well, I'm glad you talked about it with me. Yay. I feel lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you guys have an episode coming out today as well. What are you guys talking about today? Oh God. Uh, this com this comes out the Wednesday after we're Wednesday. recording this. Uh-huh. Uh, -huh. uh right so we we're doing an episode on on final crisis the oh. massive grant morrison written continuity event from like 2009 in dc we're doing a huge final crisis episode so that is out today if you're listening to this when it comes out yeah go hop over to dr dc you guys this is the first time that you're on by your lonesome that's right um, <laughs> hope you don't feel too lonely 
Um, but you guys are coming on in October as well for the big project. And thank you so much for being part of that. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so excited for you to announce announce it. It's such a fun little secret to have been keeping for, for now. <laughs> yeah it's gonna be awesome um yeah you guys go check out dr dc they freaking rock they crack me up i'm so glad i met you guys met you guys through kyle so it's just you know serendipitous how i meet all these awesome people and definitely including you guys guys, i feel i feel like we're like we're both kind of doing this but we're both sort of building this little like pod family a little bit like yeah through these mutual relationships like we got like kyle clark and then you know you can get to like the goods from the woods that way or you can uh-huh. get over to you and then over to Corey. and yeah. i've been chatting with the blast from our past guys like i feel oh, like yeah. there's this little like kind of growing little pod yeah. family i which i i love i think it's a ton of fun yeah, it's so much fun. I'm having a blast. Having a blast. Um, can you please plug your Dr. DC stuff? Absolutely. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Dr. DC Podcast. I'm on Twitter probably too much at Dr. DC. <laughs> um, uh, we've got, uh, you can get our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. We come out every Wednesday. Uh, and we've got a Patreon. If you like our stuff and you want to help support, it's patreon.com slash drdc. We do all sorts of extra weird, geeky, silly things over there. Yeah. I lo- You guys are just, you just pour out creative content. The both of you are like each other's soulmates. You're like, well, let's create goodness. <laughs> can I can I plug one more one more upcoming Please. project? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Yes. Not to take up the time with plugs, but, but no. my co-host Richard from the Dr. DC podcast and I are starting another podcast. <laughs> what? Wait, what? <laughs> so, and what is this one? So Richard and I both are in love with the show Supernatural. You're doing it? <laughs> and so uh, starting in September, uh, we're starting, uh, it's called Ghost Facers, a Supernatural oh Rewatch God. podcast. We're starting from season one, episode one. We're going to go through all 15 seasons of Supernatural. This uh, is amazing. That starts oh in gosh. September. So check that one out as well. I will definitely be putting a post up for you guys. That's incredible. You guys, they were talking about it when they were back here on Green Lantern in, what, June? And it's really happening. So (laughs) I'm so excited. Congratulations. You birthed another podcast, baby. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, my my family's not thrilled about all the time it takes. But But you're happy. I'm happy. Well, thank you, Reed, again and again. Go back to the DC fandom. Uh, update us on Twitter. I'll meet you there. Yeah, <laughs> I think the the Snyder Cut panel's coming up at two thirty. <gasps> Let me see what's on. I have it on the laptop. Um, I don't know who's talking right now. I wish I did. That would have been cool, but I have no idea who's talking. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. Say bye, Reed. Bye, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there! We already know you like comics. Well, each week you can listen to the Dr. DC podcast, hosted by me, producer Richard, and sitting across from me, the doctor himself. Hello! We talk about the weird and wonderful world of DC while fielding questions from listeners just like you. That's right. Every Wednesday on a different topic, we talk about the fun, crazy world of DC. Send your questions. You don't have to be an expert. We're here to guide you through it and to make it fun and to have a good time. That's right. Every Wednesday, wherever you find your podcast or on drdcpodcast.com or .ca. Adios. I didn't talk about dicks once. (laughs)